Welcome to Series 7 of the Dig Podcast and I am your host Caroline O'Neill. In this series I am talking to business owners, entrepreneurs and experts who are sharing their journey and preparing us for the future. What does the working world look like in the future? It changes every week, every day, every hour. So tune in each week as I ask my guests how they are future-proofing their business. Welcome to the Dig Podcast. Today on the podcast, I am speaking to Brendan McDowell. He owns the global beauty brand Be Perfect and he also is the founder, co-founder of Voodoo Hair. So a lot of people listening will already know those brands, but do you really know the man behind them all? We're going to find out about him today. Be Perfect is stocked in over 2,000 stores all over the UK and Ireland. And if I say anything wrong here, Brenton's right beside me. He can check me after. But I was doing a lot of reading up about him before we even had our call and what he has achieved and and his business story is definitely one that needs shared you know, widely, and that's what the Dig Podcast does. There's six flagship stores and plans for 10 more. He's launching in Dubai before October, and there's a new range coming in Primark and Pennies. One of his products is the best-selling product on the Aer Lingus Airlines at the minute. He is also the hair care brand Voodoo, which I mentioned. His business has increased by 70% in the last year. We're going to find out how that happens and how do you manage that. Brenton never stands still in business and he doesn't claim to know it all. That's why I love chatting to him. He told me if he sees a new trend, he learns what he needs to learn and he jumps right on it. I think that's so important in business not to stand still. Um, He's prepared to change as his business grows and we're going to talk about that more in our conversation today. And he talks about stepping stones and I think that's really important for people who are listening that it doesn't all just happen at once. There's different processes along the journey and different things that happen that creates this kind of over this success that that Brenton talks about so we're gonna get to grill him today um I want to know how he sleeps at night um I don't know if he does but like many of us and it was so lovely to hear this he's inspired and encouraged by his parents and their journey and he speaks about the passing of his daddy and um you know all of those life events happened to us all and they can throw the curveballs in in business for sure and um, our the conversation with Brendan is about growing a brand and, and we'll talk about TikTok. So that can be a big fear factor among a lot of businesses. The TikTok um, a growth and phenomenon that's happening and how it's changed his business dramatically. So that's my introduction, but there's no one better to tell it than Brenton himself. And he's sitting right beside me. So thank you so much, Brenton. This is an, not an early start probably for you, but eight o'clock we're here in Waterman House in Belfast. So thank you for being here. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Oh my goodness. No, it's an honour. And sometimes when you reach out to people, you never know whether they're going to say yes, but you just come straight back. I was like, I'll do that surely. So I appreciate um, you being here. Um, Brandon, like I was reading all the news articles that are posted about you, about your early days and the startup journey, but there'd be people listening to the Dig podcast that don't know that. So, so take us right back to the very start when you had £500 that you talked about. Yeah, no problem. I start off very humble beginnings. I've always worked from when I was 11, worked in a fish factory for £1.80 an hour when I was 11 years of age because I wanted to buy a horse. And my daddy said to me, you, you don't get anything handed to you, you have to work hard. And um, turned 30, decided I want to start a business at a lengthy sales career. And I always wanted to sell something for myself because my dad, he was a builder. He was digger man, lorry driver, jack of all trades. And he started his own business, 
when he was in his, um, he just turned 40 and he passed away when he was 43 and he was always the person that everybody wanted to do their jobs and um, he was always really good at at any sort of construction work that he'd done um, and I was kind of like on the sales game, I was always top sales person in anywhere that I worked but I always kind of wanted to do my own thing but I had no money, no experience, no business experience apart from that little bit <laughs> that I learned from my dad with his, his, his digger um, and I decided to start a business. I was working for a Daily Deals website at the time. I said, Mommy, come on, we're going to London and I'm going to start a business. And I was always coming up with this madness. And Mommy said, Yep, I'll go with you, no bother. But she's probably thinking, What's he going on about now? We went, to, it was the Pro Beauty Show in London. And at the time when I was working for the Daily Deals companies, I worked with a lot of beauty companies, uh, beauty salons. And I knew there was a gap in the market for good demo products we went around the trade show and i basically bought anything that you could do a demonstration with my vision was to be this live like demonstrator like market trader going around the country selling like a jml live and brought this bag of stuff home and mommy loved the eyebrow thing that we had it had the stencil put the stencil on colored it in and it gave it the perfect eyebrow and um, but within that bag there was hair removal pads there was nail extension things, big bag of nonsense to be honest. And I went round all my friends, and they were like, "Brendan, you're tough. Like, you're not wise. What, what are you doing?" Um, and they were all kind of laughing because that was just me. I was always that person. I want to do this. I want to do that. And a lot of it, and I think that's where a lot of people, you start these things and you don't always think it's going to become something. But if you don't have that kind of ambition and that kind of creativity. You're never going to do anything. I've tried multiple different things throughout the years, but the eyebrow thing, the guy that I bought it off, he was from Wales. I met him in London, and the week after he was in Dublin, and I drove down and met him and I bought 50 eyebrow kits off him. And I went to the Kennedy Centre in West Belfast, just off the Falls Road, rented the space for two days, bought a table out of B&Q, and we sold out of the 50 eyebrow kits. That's how I started. <laughs> and, like whenever I know I know it's emotional to talk about your daddy but him passing at 43 it's like I can't even imagine us so young to pass away like what age are you now? That's the scary part I'm 42 next summer Yeah and you're like in the prime of your life and you know like your daddy he had started his business yeah. and like I get emotional even listening to it and I know I told you this on the call my daddy drives a digger yeah. and that's why this is the dig podcast and dig mama and dig everything everything's digging me but we're all molded by our parents and you want to like impress them and inspire you know they inspire you but you want to make them proud um, and I'm sure your daddy is looking down now and, and so proud he's probably thinking what's he doing something beside that what is he at this morning but you know you get it from sometimes you get that grit and determination from what you've seen when you're growing up but also it, it's inside you too sometimes isn't it so um, like you talk about going with your gut uh, whenever I talk to you on the phone when we were prepping for the podcast like you went over there to England with your mummy because something in your gut told you you wanted that wee bit more so there'll be people listening and it's in their gut but they haven't taken the step yet what would you say to them that are listening just just uh, because you might get it wrong and it might not work out just don't take big risks but if your gut's telling you to do something, just go for it. Um, and you said don't take big risks there. And we talked about that as well. I think that's because sometimes people who are have got success or are very successful in their businesses, people can watch them and maybe we speak flippantly about, you know, um, 
taking risks and stuff, but don't put all your eggs in one basket either. You talked about like, you know, have other. Yeah, I was always very, I, I what, if everybody's different. Some people will start a business and there's no set rules. Some people will go and get a big bank loan and they'll start a business and they'll throw all at it. For me, I, I started off with my wages and it was £500 extra commission that month from the sales job. So I always seen it as my money, even though it was the business's money, and it, and it always is. Um, but I took the, the first 50 kits that I sold, I put that straight back in and bought another 100 kits, and then the week after bought 200. So I've always been very much about taking loads of small calculated risks, um, and that's worked for me. I'm probably the type of person that likes to sleep at night without taking huge risks. Um, and sometimes I've taken bigger ones here and there, but I always know that it's not going to floor me. So you know, you'll take your small calculator ones and then you might take medium sized ones, but I've never went and got through all in and, and take this gamble. But there's people have and it's worked out, but there's many people that haven't and it hasn't worked for them. So there's different strokes for, for everybody. I know, because I talk about a lot of people who have like a side hustle of the thing they really want to do, but they can't take the leap of faith to actually leave their job, for that example. That was me. That was- I, I did my job for, I was still employed for a year. So for the first year, I literally did it in the evenings and the weekends, just driving around the, the shopping centres and trade shows. So I was that person and I got the I caught to the end of that first year. And I remember my mum, mum's always she'll come me for saying this, but she's a real warrior and she's like, You can't you've got a good job, don't be giving up that job. And I was like, Mum, we have I've made more money in the side hustle this year and I I can see it going here, I can see it going there. Um and you know, our parents always want the best for us, but my mum's always a big, big warrior, and I think, like, Mum, I have to go for this, you know. Um, and I can remember like booking, I think it was the first trade show in Dublin, and it was like £2,000. Mum, we couldn't sleep that night. She was like, Oh, but Jesus, you're spending all that money in that trade show. Um, but you have to, I knew if I'd spent the money in the trade show and it didn't work out, I still have more money to, to, to put back into stock and whatever else. So, um, yeah, for me, it's calculated risks all the way. Yeah, and that's so interesting to hear. Um, and sometimes family. If you listen to family, to, yes, they want the best for you, but sometimes that can hold you back. 100%, yeah. I would still be in the candy centre doing eyebrows if I was listening to Molly. I know. But she's also kept me grounded. Yes. So there's there's the pros and cons to both. My mom's kept me grounded the whole way through, which is, is a definite pro. And I've spoken to people also who'll be on the series when we're doing the prep call and they've talked about speaking to people outside of your family, but who are like mentors type thing about making those next steps every time. Would you find that something oh. Big time, I would have spoke to a lot of other business owners. I would have listened to a lot of podcasts. And back in the early days, it was more probably books. And um, like I was obsessed with Dragon's Den. Obviously, it went on to it. Oh, we're going to talk about that, um, right? So, talk to us about Dragon's Den then. Uh, well, I'd, I'd read all their books. I was obsessed with the show. Um, Dragon's Den was what, about four or five years into the business, had basically been a market trader, was driving around, and um, had sold my car, bought a van, was selling out of the van going around cow shows, horse shows, beauty shows, wedding shows, you name it. Anywhere there was volume of people, I was there with a stall selling. Um, and I got to the stage where we went to, it was a beauty show in Belfast. And one of the dragons from the RTE, one was our Eleanor. And she bought the products and everybody's like, I got Eleanor from RTE. And I hadn't actually seen the RTE one. I'd only been watching the BBC one. Get her over here and I get a picture of her. And it's like, get over here, you do get a picture. And then I was like, she bought them products. I wonder would like she let me on her show. So I went home and I Googled it and I filled in the application form. 
and it all happened really really quick like they said it was going to take six months and maybe a year before it went on the tv within seeing her at the beauty show i think within three months it was on the tv in the north of ireland we we were already in i think medicare gordon's loads of independence in the south we were in loads of independent uh, pharmacies we were opening probably about 10 accounts a week in the south so the south was starting to really pick up for us um, but then overnight from Dragon's Den all of the the groups in Southern Ireland took the brand in but I kind of knew we created a wave and I knew I had to stay on it so I had to have a plan B after that so but you got the investment from them, but then turned it down. I, I this always, this always blows my mind because when I see people do, I'm like, what? But then the Dig Podcast needs your help. Did you know that we have thousands of people download the podcast each week, but still people haven't subscribed or followed on the channel? So I'm asking you if you listen on Apple or Spotify, if you could hit follow. If you listen on YouTube, then hit that subscribe button. It means that I can reach out to even more guests, bring even more actionable advice that can help you in your business. The business head on you, it was too much. They were looking too much for what? Is that what the story was? Yeah, I got like a, a, a double offer. So the two guys, uh, two, two of the dragons came together and then another one. So three out of the four had, had made an offer. And on the show, I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. And like, yes, you know, you're all excited. And I remember being... I, I get nervous. Like, I'm even nervous sitting here. Like, always get really Are you nervous, nervous sitting there? Yeah, just before I speak. I'm, I'm fine once I get yes, started. Yes, At the show, it was really weird. I was like, were you nervous, Brendan? And I wasn't, and I can't can't describe it. I, because I built the brand literally from scratch, and you see people on the show that always trip up on the questions. And in my head, it was like, there's not one question you can ask me that I don't know, because I've done everything myself from development to sourcing to manufacturing to selling to demonstration days. You name it, I don't all knew the numbers inside out. The hardest part was you come in, you're in the RT1, you're in a broom cupboard and you have to pretend you're in a lift. No, I'd have to ask. Really? Is that yeah, and I was like, oh God, and it felt really awkward. <laughs> and it was me and my friend Nicole, she would have done the, the trade shows with me and there's me and her in this broom cupboard with this camera down on us pretending <laughs> we're going up in a lift. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then there's one bit where you have to come in, you have to walk up to the line, look at the dragon and walk back. It was obviously for them to record it my nerves was was going crazy but as soon as i got the line the second time and started talking i wasn't nervous at all it was fine and um, but yeah after the show i met them and they had this contract in one size and i'm not the most intellectual and i was like oh my god i don't even understand half the words in this contract and it kind of made me feel a bit uneasy and i was like what am i signing here and then i was like don't even look at the contract just ask them questions so i was like what's your plans where are you taking the business what do you want to do and their thing was Ireland, you know, let's get the brand trending in Ireland, let's get the, the into all the pharmacies, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm opening 10 accounts a week in Southern Ireland. We're in the two big groups in the north of Ireland. I'm kind of doing this already. And I was like, this isn't really exciting me. And I was like, I wanted to hear, we're going to help you with your e-commerce, we're going to help you with uh, growing markets, emerging markets. And there was none of that. And I was like, no, it's just I didn't feel right. There's this big, massive contract. And probably if it was two, three months before I went on Dragon's Den and I got that offer, I probably would have taken it because we hadn't started in wholesale at that stage. And I started the wholesale myself. I went and I 
sold my soul to Callum and Medicare. Tell, like, tell us about selling your soul because because businesses are listening and we have to sell our soul daily sometimes and you feel yeah. someone destroyed. How did you sell your soul? It was the first group that we went into Northern Ireland Medicare and I can remember we went into, I was working in Balmina and me and Nicole, my friend, we were on the, the mall, like people stopping, like we used to be at the front of the stall chasing people up and down the shopping centre. That that was really selling your soul. Nobody had a clue. We didn't do any marketing. It was just a heavy demo uh, product that we had. Not, we didn't even really have a brand. The we talk shop always said be perfect. Um, and yeah, it was out the front, like chasing people, come on over and try this, come on over and try this, like real direct heavy selling. And I remember that day in Balamina, Sister Nicole, I'm going to go out and try a few beauty salons here and see if they'll take it in. Rang about eight beauty salons around Balamina area and five of them took it in on the day. And there were three to five hundred pound orders. And I was like, I stood there all day and we'd be lucky if we were lifting four or five hundred. We'd lift it like over two thousand pounds in the day. Like, and I was like, don't want to repeat by. So I had no clue about wholesale when I say I started off from from the beginning. Like I hadn't a ball day about anything. So did that. Then, when, just to jump in, when you having a baldy, this is, you're just talk like me. Um, you having a baldy, family doesn't know what that means. I mean, not a notion. You didn't have any idea. But when you didn't have a baldy, did you, is that guts to ask? Like when you don't know, how do you find out? Teach you, yourself. Yes. You know, I I just rang the salons. Had never no. I I from working in my previous job, it was just a ringing, getting a meeting on the phone. So. I was just the, like the getting in and always knew the hardest thing with selling is to, to get the meeting. So I was just the getting ringing up, keeping it short and sweet on the phone, knocking into too much detail and getting out and getting that meeting booked. So it was kind of always quite cute that way from a sales perspective of getting in front of the person. So I used more sales techniques to get in front of the salons. Um, once I got out there, I knew I had really good products, did the demonstration the way that we did on the mall and they were blown away by the products because they were really good demo products so the eyebrow you held the stencil up oh i had one don't worry yeah 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 my mom had one (laughs) um and then we had the brush on lashes and the 10 second hand um once you get out in front like they they then bought it in so that's that when when i seen that then i stepped back and i was like right okay and we had 70 or 80 events booked that year and i was like do I really need to do all this when I can start doing this wholesale uh, that, that we were doing? Went a few then independent pharmacies and then I went, I'm going to try and crack one of these big boys. And I went for Medicare at the time because Gordon's were like, they were the, the biggest. I was like, I'll go in the second biggest with, 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 with Medicare. And I remember going out to Column and Column's a character. Anybody in the, the beauty world or the pharmacy world will know what Column's like. He drives a hard bargain and I get out there and he grilled me and I mean grilled me and I held my own and I remember at the time Colin Roy saying at the end of the meeting you know there's something about you and he took us in put us in the eight stores I went to them eight stores myself brought the product in met all the staff did the demo day and came back so when I say I literally did a ring I did a ring I sold my soul I did the demonstration to the staff I did the demonstration to the customers and merchandise so that was our first group that we got into and then off the back of that, we started, uh, Gordon's actually contacted us when they seen us in Medicare. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how it went. And you'd, whenever we were um, chatting, you talked about key moments in time that have created this. That was a key moment then, obviously, like a turning point. It was a turning point from trade shows and, and shopping malls just on the street and the wholesale. Mm-hmm. And then that was kind of like a pinnacle moment. And then 
after that it was Dragon's Den, which turbo boosted that in the south. And it was the PR really around Dragon's Den that, yeah. that rather than you actually getting the deal, which was interesting. Can remember there was somebody at the time. It was like um, I don't know if you remember. It was like this thing you put in your hair. There was another company, Aurora Hairband, and they at the time told me they put it in. They said, Brendan, you've got six to twelve months with the with the the everybody knowing about you in Dragon's Den because back then Dragon's Den was massive when you got on there. It was huge for your business, um, and they said you've you've got this amount of time you know, you've got to keep on the thing. So in the back of my head is going, what am I going to do after this? Like, I need to do something else. Um, and I wanted to create an eyeshadow palette and that led to the next kind of Pentagon moment. Um, I had no clue about eyeshadow. I was like, what am I doing here? So contacted Louise, LMD, makeup artist in Magerfeld. Says Louise, look, do you want to do an eyeshadow palette together? And we were one of the first ever brands to collaborate, probably were the first, with an Instagrammer. Um, and got up and met Louise, sat around the table in Magerfeld depotted all these eyeshadows, put them all together, back and forward with different uh, samples from the factory, and we brought out the LMD palette, and that went cuckoo. It went crazy. We had, I mean, I ordered 12,000 units, and we thought that was going to last us for the entire Christmas period. We launched it in September. They sold out in about a week, like not even, probably a few days. And um, actually, a lot of the guests that I speak to mention Louise um, as an influencer, like Polish London and, you know, all the different. And and that power of collaborating with someone who's active on social media is is huge, isn't it, Brandon? Like, I mean, a massive part of the business for us, you know, working with the right person at the right time with the right product. I see so many like they were called bloggers <laughs> then they weren't even called influencers. Um, and I've, I've been on that journey and I've seen it from the early blogging days and us did sponsor posts like So Soon was the, so me was the first uh, person we ever paid for a sponsor post. Now she's a full makeup brand and me and Suzanne laugh at like, God, do you remember you were the first person ever did a post for Be Perfect? Um, and I've seen the whole industry change so much. Like just in the last 10 months, it's changed drastically with TikTok. You just need to be on it and you need to make sure you're working with the right people the right time and change it whenever you need to because social media changes so fast you need to be at the speed of it and um, otherwise your your data and they can you see a lot of like bigger businesses coming in now and they're paying these influencers stupid money and they're doing things that probably aren't the right working with people that aren't the right fit and whatever else and kind of can spoil it for everybody but if you know who you're working with the right influencer the right time it 100 works amazingly for your business because traditional businesses are only starting to even consider this now. And me and you have been like, well, I've been doing social media for years from the very start, but but the power in it when it's done, this is the new way to advertise. Trust, yeah. People trust the people they follow online. And Word of mouth. It is. And it's- If you've got the right- If you've mouth. got the right person. <laughs> yeah. So you can't just jump in. Like you would get, I, I, I know, like, cause I do both sides of works like influencer marketing as well. And you would get, pitches from brands like will you send us through your stats and I'm thinking even if you said yes to me I wouldn't say yes to that yeah. because that's not right for me yeah. so obviously Louise knows her audience too and knew that you were the right fit so I suppose to businesses that are listening that haven't embraced influencer marketing like even the most corporate businesses can make the most out of influencer marketing yeah. now you know like there's someone out there nearly can be a brand ambassador or represent you if they have your audience so go find out more about that really is probably the message there and see yeah. who does fit with you and align with you um, like, is there is there TV advertising in your marketing now? Is there did last year um, when we launched Chroma? Um, so our foundation launch <clears throat> last year, we'd spent two years 
creating that product. So it was by far the biggest ever launch that we ever had. So we did a little bit of uh, TV and a little bit of billboard, but it's so hard to track. You, you don't know the success uh, from that. There's a lot of people say, well, seen your TV app, but um, for us, it's, it's influencer marketing and social media is 95, 99% of, of what we do. So, um, but we have tapped into the other things, just the, the, the trends, but see, yeah. Yeah, um, well, you can definitely see the, like, be perfect and voodoo is everywhere online and, and everyone's, you know, in the right way, promoting it, doing great content and stuff. And that's definitely been a big part of the growth. Talk to us about TikTok now. So you mentioned it there. And and I, because I do a lot of mentoring with businesses, the fear factors there that they're going to have to be this character on TikTok or that do these creative videos and things. Talk to us about TikTok. So there's t- two elements to me, uh, for me, um, by f- TikTok this year has probably been the massive contributor to us having 71% growth year on year, which is huge at the size of the business. So for me, TikTok shop launched last July and we had a clue about it. We were like, what the hell is this? And I was a bit skeptical of it as well. I was like, is that going to take away from our website? Do you know, it's a third party platform. So you don't own the data. You don't own the email address. You don't own the phone number. And I was like, oh God, mm, well, let's, let's, let's jump on it, but let's not over jump on it again me taking calculated risks but it was one that worked and our sales on tiktok like we've sold hundreds of thousands of products on tiktok shop alone but the marketing that we've had from all the creators in tiktok has driven our online as well and what we've done is we try and keep the offering different from tiktok shop we'll do a different offer to our website and to our retail stores we'll do it different again so our consumers are getting something different everywhere they go and that's what you want you want to keep the element of surprise there so there's that side of it in terms of the business side and the content that you're creating for our business we like to keep it just really relatable um, a lot of it's just the girls having fun and the boys having fun in the office and it's a bit of banter and that's what people want to see a year ago people would have said TikTok's only for brand awareness TikTok now sells you know and you'll find with the creators on there they're probably more powerful now than, than Instagram because the Instagrammers the algorithm doesn't work in your favor anymore so somebody might have a huge following on instagram putting something out there and it's not getting seen as much as what somebody with a smaller following in tiktok will put out but it's just getting seen by a lot more people because the algorithms are very different and um, even me personally i've set up the be perfect branding page i was like oh i'm not going on doing these funny dances and whatever else and i can remember in lockdown i'm cringe even thinking about it I'd made these like TikToks and me like doing this stupid thing and shit and all that. I deleted <laughs> them. I was like, oh, cringe. Um, and I thought I had to be that person. And then I was watching a few people. I was just like, record yourself like you're on Instagram stories. And I just started being myself and just having the chats. And my own personal uh, TikTok has really exploded over the last two months. I think we've like 5,000, sorry, it's up to 10,000 creators on board for Be Perfect. Um, and my sales are up in the top 10 already and that's only within two months so it can grow really quick a video can go viral really quick your following can grow really quick and the creator's content will get seen we're now sitting if you google hashtag be perfect with 250 million views which is insane so it's massive when i say it's massive and the reach that you have like and i even noticed now early days i i did be perfect brand the snapchat oh, i've seen you in snapchat and then it was instagram then it was the tv show but now it's just all TikTok, Brendan, seeing your TikToks because they're getting seen by so many people. What you have on TikTok is huge followers, people on the platform watching it, but less creators. 
So when you're putting content out, a lot more people are seeing it than what you would on Instagram and, and Facebook, etc. Wanted to take a short break at the Dig podcast. If you're a woman and you're listening to the podcast and you would like to return to work, maybe you've taken time off for caregiving duties, whatever the reason, I know it can be daunting and overwhelming. That's why Timely Careers, who is our sponsor for the podcast, is a fantastic resource for you. It's a free resource for you to tap into. It helps with training, um, CV planning, um, uh, skills training and so much more to help you embrace that prospect of getting back to work in a way that suits you. It has lots of jobs on the platform and employers who are looking someone just like you, someone highly trained, wanting to be a valuable member of the team. So if you would like to find out more about how Timely Careers can support you to get back to work in a flexible way that suits you and your needs, then check out timelycareers.com and get together with the people that can help you be the best version of you. Uh, everybody's away setting up their TikTok cooking now that's listening. But um, like I even follow in a lot of corporate businesses now who I've seen starting to show up on TikTok, showing sure. the behind the scenes culture of their office. How's brilliant? Have you ever seen Ryan on it? Uh, yes, Rainer, yes. They are, they are like within the leaders of corporate world. Like they do it so well. They do it so they're they're really sarcastic on it and it yeah. just suits them. You know, it's it's fine in the style that works for you is, is, is the best way to do it. Yes, and I suppose that type of mindset is really the right way to be looking at all your social platforms, finding content that suits you and creating it consistently. Trial and error, put some content out and if it works, do more of it. Yeah. And if and if you cringe, delete it like you, you just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, and that's like nothing's you know you don't have to go. I think people have this fear they have to go live and they have to do all these things, but you don't. You can delete that. You can. My, my favorite saying is just wing it, you know, and 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 that's it. With with business, to me, like there's things you just have to wing. It. You just have to go for it. Take a risk. If it doesn't work out, as long as it's not a big massive one, just wing it. Go for it. And if it doesn't work out, delete it. <laughs> and, and yeah, you have you have to try things to to know what works for you, and more importantly, what works for your audience. Yeah. And what's been like throughout all of that, like that's huge growth, like we're talking Dubai now and do you ever go like, how did, like do you ever pinch yourself and say like, Yeah, no, we, we had big international growth a few years ago and we went out with probably their own products. Um, we went out, Carnival went massive for us, like the Carnival palette and it's still a huge seller for us, but makeup styles changed and it went very different and then what we done is brought out more Obviously, your core, your your day to day, your 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 makeup for your your mum doing the school run, your girl going to work and, and stuff like that. And like when we went out internationally years ago, we didn't have a core makeup range. So we're now going back to these retailers with a much better selection of makeup. So the international stuff's amazing, but most of our growth has actually been in the UK and Ireland. What's been the biggest challenge throughout all of this? Oh, Maybe there's been a few, but I mean. Is there anything that stands out where you think or you thought, oh my God, I can't do this anymore or this is too hard or? I remember saying to you on the phone. Taking a I don't even um, know if you did say it to me on the know. phone. I'm just I'm just listening to you now and going, I wonder, was there a time where you're like, I, I don't know if I can do this now or, or this is too hard for me? People, do you know, sometimes it can be hard. Going through growth, you need to recruit a lot of people. Um, and sometimes that can be challenging. Luckily, I think one of the strongest assets that you you can have in business is being a good people person. If you're not a good people person, you won't have good people around you to build your business. You know, there's only so much you can do in your own. And that's probably one thing I see a lot of people doing is 
was chatting to somebody yesterday they had a small business and they were like i'm scared to recruit i'm scared to take somebody on i was like but you cannot scale you cannot grow unless you have people that you can trust and rely on and sometimes things go wrong with people um, and sometimes it doesn't work out but if you don't have trust and you don't have a good team um, you're not going to get anywhere and that's probably been some of the hardest challenges is getting the right people when you're going through that big growth and at the moment we're going through huge growth and I feel like I've touched there's sometimes there's an element of luck I've touched lucky with a lot of the managers that I've just recruited they're really strong really experienced but in the past there, there has been times when we've recruited and it hasn't been right and sometimes it's just the wrong person for the role sometimes people pull the wool over your eyes and interview um, and one of the hardest things like I, I can't sack people like I am shit at it like I am awful I just be I go in this deep space of like oh what about their family what about their friends what are they going to do like that is one of the hardest things I find um, but yeah that's that's probably one of the biggest things. you get somebody else to do it <laughs> uh, I've had to do it myself um, sometimes um, but I, I don't I don't like doing it and I have at the minute nowadays I don't I have a senior team there so I kind of like work with obviously the, the leadership team and the management team more so. Um, but I still, I'll go out and work in the shops. Like somebody was laughing, they came, we had a warehouse clearance last year and they were laughing because I was on my hands and knees cleaning the floor. Like there's there's nothing that I won't do. You know, I'll still get out there and get stuck in with everybody to do absolutely anything in the business because I did it all from the beginning. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the hardest challenges was was getting the right people at the right time. You're such a, you, you can see that softness in you there when you're talking about, you know, that's so lovely to see because sometimes you think of people with such success that they're maybe hardened to the world and hardened to people and they're not no, a people. I couldn't, I couldn't be a person. I'm very, so, some people have said to me in the past, Brendan, you can't be so nice all the time. And I'm like, do you know what? It It's different strokes, different folks. Some people are that heavy hitting, hard business person. They're ruthless. They'll walk over the top of people. It's just not me and you can be a really nice person in business and there's loads of really nice people in business. People think business people are these big, hard, strong, like walk over the top of your people and there is a lot of them out there. But for me, being nice and communicating with other people and networking with other business owners, you know, even like my competitors, I, I would chat them on the regular and you learn from each other. There's enough room out there for everybody and people think you have to be guarded. I, I always remember it was donkeys ago, it was probably 11 years ago, there was this person who did the trade shows and they were very guarded and I come on the scene they sold a beauty product and uh, I sold a beauty product day and night totally different products and this person at the time used to always like don't talk to him blah 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 we're out of like here do this show in England it's really good do that that person is still driving around their car with the same stand doing the same thing selling the same product if you're like that you're not going to grow I think if you're a wee bit nice chat to other people you never brought other people it comes back to you and you'll grow. Um, if you're guarded and you don't want to talk to people, you don't want to recruit people and you aren't a people person, that's, that's the big thing, it'll stall you. You know, you, you will you will struggle to, to, to grow if you don't speak to the right people and grow the right people around you. So true. Oh my God. And if everybody got a gut, flip me, it would be unreal. But do you ever, you know, be talking to somebody and you know rightly they know the answer to the question that you're looking, but you know they're not going to tell you. Hold back. Oh my, I read so much. open person ever. I'm like, I, do know, this, do that. I know, but I think like you don't know till you know. And if you don't ask, first of all, they're never going to tell you. But if you don't tell somebody and help them. You're uh, not going to get it back. You're not like, and, and I think 
that's a big that's a big I've had recently just a few experiences with that where I'm like you know regularly but I'm asking you and you won't tell me I'm a firm believer in what you put out you get um, back so I've always been very open if somebody asks me Brendan how do you do this how do you do that I'm guarded at all because guess what when I need to know the next question is somebody else does th- something and I ask somebody they're, they're going to give me that back and you learn you network and you, you'll never stop learning I don't know if you can learn that though is that not in you to be that type of person you know like oh, you, you, you ha- that has to be in you but you, you can never stop learning as in from other people you know, yeah. networking and I always think your brain is like a sponge and yeah. I just love I love listening to people and learning from people uh-huh. and there's never like I don't know all the answers far from it you know I still make loads of mistakes everybody does but that's business you know you make a mistake you fix it and then you move on and that's that's the biggest thing for me I know. Oh my God. I know I could talk to you all day. What about this, this whole series of Series 7? I mean, you laughed at this on the phone is about the future. So the future of work, the future of business that everybody is talking about and about um, AI. And it's actually really funny. I was talking to a girl there one day who's not in this space at all. And I was talking about AI. She goes, what the hell is AI? That's that abbreviations of people use when they're talking and you assume people know. So artificial intelligence and how that's going to change how we do business. And me and you laughed our heads off on the phone. You're like, I have a notion. And I said, I know, neither do I really, but I'm trying to learn. But what's your thoughts on all of that and, and the beauty industry and AI? And I'll be honest, I like you would probably think me with being all over social media wouldn't know a lot about it. All I know, it's a wee filter thing in the top of Snapchat if it comes up your, <laughs> your AI. Um, haven't looked too much into it. As soon as I see, it was like TikTok shop. As soon as I see people on it, I jumped on it really quick. So at the minute, they don't think, anybody's using it for anything in the beauty world for me I haven't seen anybody doing anything massive with it yet but as soon as something happens and somebody else maybe is the first person to do it I'll jump all the work like I see robots using be perfect products on TikTok and stuff in the future who knows what it's going to be like like people are scared a wee bit at the minute and and then that makes them hold back but see if you told me it was what we in now September last July TikTok shop launched if you told me last July the TikTok shop was going to be humongous and drive 71% growth in your business, I would laugh that you went, no chance. And there we are, 12 months later, it's completely changed the, the changed the game. So it's about having an open mind for what's coming our way, because it's coming so anyway. I'm open to AI, I'm open to anything, and as, as soon as something starts, that that's the big thing for me, I suppose, is another thing in business. Like when I employ somebody, I'm like, do you like change? And if they say no, I'm like, you're in the wrong business because we're constantly evolving and changing. And that's something I love and most of the community that I've built our internal people and our our community our, our followers and stuff they, they see us change and they see us evolving I love change I love evolving and learning and growing and jumping up the steps you're not going to jump up the steps if, you're, if you don't change you're going to stay in the same place I know and sometimes people are just afraid of change because it means uncertainty and the unknown and what if it doesn't work but if you're standing still you're not growing exactly Um. Okay, so next year, will you come back on and tell us about the growth? Because you've now got robots selling yeah. for you on, on, on robots t- and TikTok. On TikTok, um, I definitely will be getting you back next year to hear about all of that. But good luck with everything. Um, I've never met you before until just this morning, so um, it's lovely to see the or meet the real person. Because sometimes you see people on social media, and you feel like you know them, and no, then was, I said you on the phone was like, "Have we ever met?" Because you, when you follow somebody online, you think that you've you've met them, and then you're going. Was I had an event with them, was it not? I know. Yeah. So no, we haven't, but it was lovely yeah. this morning just to be able to kind of see people in real life because sometimes social media, that is lost as well and you yeah. can't lose that. Oh, it's a big thing for me. That's why we do so many like events, just bringing people together. Like even with the TikTokers, I get over to London next week to take them all out for dinner, all our top sellers on there. Um, I think it's good to have that, that face-to-face communication. I love social media. 
but I love having people around me as well. And that's it's about people at the end of the day. Yeah, people are what makes a business yeah. as well. So thank you so much for being on the Dink no Podcast. Problem. Can't wait to see what happens. What does your mummy say now, by the way? Yeah, she's still trying to hold me back, but she still keeps me grounded. So not nothing's really changed there. So it's still the same from day one. Um, she's always like panicking if I take any sort of risks. Um, but she, she still keeps me grounded. I know, they're the best. At, um, at Whenever I was coming down here this morning, I was like up at five and away at six. And my mum was like, your daddy was asking me, what is that you're doing? And I was like, I've been doing the podcast for like three years. But they're always there to support you. And I know your daddy's um, looking down on you now today. And it's unreal, your journey. And you're such an inspiration to everybody. So I hope everybody on the Dig Podcast has loved listening to you. I know they will. We get lots of feedback about our guests. I'm sure everybody's going to be away opening their TikTok accounts if they haven't already. Thank you for being our guest today, Brent. No Thank you for having me.